Hello, and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage Podcast. My name is JD, and I blog over at uncoveringintimacy.com. Today, it's time to do another question and answer post from our anonymous Have a Question page. I don't know what happened in September, but we got a ton of questions, so this is going to be a long one, probably. Maybe I should have split it up, but for now, here are the 20 questions we received in September. I tried to get this out before October ended, but frankly, it was just too many. It took me a while to write all the answers out. Before I get to that, though, I want to let you know that we've released our intimacy advent calendar for the Christmas season again. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically like an advent calendar that you used to get as a kid, you know, with the chocolates uh, and everything or toys. But instead of chocolate or toys, it's romantic and sexy activities. And we're giving it away free to all of our $5 or more monthly supporters who join in October and November. So if you've been considering supporting our ministry and joining our supporters forum, now is a great time to do it. And if you aren't interested in supporting us, but you don't want to buy the advent calendar, uh, but you are curious about what's in it, maybe for next year, uh, follow us on Instagram because we'll be posting a card every day from December 1st to the 24th for those who want to play along at home at no cost. Uh, You won't get to pick which cards best suit you or your marriage, but uh, you'll at least get a taste of what the calendar is like and get to join in on the fun. You can find us on Instagram at Uncovering Intimacy. And now, on to the questions. So the first question is very short. Uh, It basically said, why do I want to watch my wife suck a big black penis? My guess is you're watching a lot of porn, Uh, probably a very particular kind of porn. I'd say stop now before it gets any further. As it stands, it will likely take you years to try to rewire so that you aren't faced with this temptation. Uh, If you need help quitting, I highly recommend Covenant Eyes and not only blocks certain sites, but also takes periodic screenshots and sends them to your accountability partner. So even if you manage to find a site that's not blocked, like YouTube, with sexual content on it, they seem to be more keen on censoring political views these days than sexual content, um, your accountability partner will still be made aware and can follow up with you. Question two is, is it normal to want to suck my wife's clit while she's getting laid? And that would be engaging in adultery. So whether or not it's normal, it's not good. And this question came in minutes after the last one. My guess is it's the same person. Either way, I think it's likely still due to porn use, and I offer the same recommendation. Question three is a bit longer. Uh, This person writes, my wife and I are in our late 60s. Hubby is fit, but wife has chronic pain and takes meds for it. Wife's chronic pain started in 1995 when we had a regular sex life until 2002, then it stopped. No sex arrest since 2002. Hubby has tried to discuss the lack of sex life, but since hubby stopped in about 2015 due to the wife constantly refusing to talk about the subject and her becoming angry when I mention it. Have read Come As You Are, The Five Languages, to try to change my behavior and try to understand my wife's side of the story. Also reading scriptures that deal with marriage. Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, 5, verse 25, Song of Songs, etc. Going right back to God's original plan in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And any scripture I can find to change my behavior. I'm sure there's much room for improvement on my part. However, despite praying every day for my wife for all sorts of her needs, she remains immune immovable in her refusal to engage in any intimate activities, even kissing or hugging unless I start it, and then it'll only last for a few seconds before she breaks it off. It may be unconnected, but I suspect she had an emotional affair about five years ago with a chap she met at a class she attended. She went out to a pub for a drink with him once, but he became distant after that and she was hurt. I know wife too well. 
Also, I know she watches some TV shows that features nudity that I don't like to watch and don't. So I know there is some sexual slash sensual arousal there. Am I to be a celibate husband for the rest of my life, or is there some chance that we can both have a close, intimate marriage? She refuses to attend counseling sessions. Any thoughts about this would be welcomed. I love my wife very much, and I refuse to leave her. Regards, Steve. All right, so my guess is that there's something else going on. Let's look at this timeline again. So in 1995, she was having chronic pain, but you still had a regular sex life. Then in 2002, the sex life stopped. Then in 2015, you stopped initiating sex, and a year later-ish, she had an emotional affair. So I guess I'd be very curious about what happened in 2002, uh, because that seems to be what changed the dynamic, not the chronic pain or anything else that you've mentioned. I'd also be interested in what she says if you flat out asked her if she intended to ever have sex again. Uh, lastly, I'd say counseling is probably in order. Set an appointment with a licensed Christian counselor. Uh, I'd say not a pastor unless he's has specific and extensive training in counseling, not just a single class in seminary. And set it sometime far enough in the future that she could schedule it. You know, most people don't have anything on their calendars like three weeks from now, for example. Let her know the time and the place and that you'll be going and that you'd love it if she would join you. Uh, if she doesn't, that's okay. Just let her know that you're going to get support for yourself because you're struggling with the dynamic of the marriage and you want to get some help for how to handle it from your end. Um, hopefully she joins you, but if not, then at least you get some help. Question four is kind of along the same lines. Uh, this person writes, Jay, is there any way that I can get my wife of 42 years to want sex? Not more sex, just sex, period. I'm trying to encourage her to see an endocrinologist and possibly make a hormone adjustment. She's almost there, but if she does not go, am I stuck with masturbation and occasional porn, which I do not want either? There's zero libido on her side. There are flames and hot times on my side. She is 67. I am 75. I have not had an out-of-marriage sex experience, but the temptation is strong. It has been like this for 15 years plus. I am struggling. Thanks. I wish people wouldn't wait 15 years to get help. Uh, yes, I think getting hormone levels checked is a good idea, but my guess would be that there's likely a psychological aspect back to it as well. Uh, in this case, at least she's willing to talk about it, it seems. So I check out the free ebook called uh, Where Did My Sex Drive Go? There's a link in the show notes. Uh, I'd say read it together and discuss it and see if anything rings a bell. Lastly, uh, no, you're not stuck with masturbation and occasional porn. Uh, that's your choice. Uh, sex is not a need for an individual. You won't die without it. It can be painful and it can feel lonely, but it's not something that you require to live. So you choosing masturbation and porn is 100% on you and you cannot place that on your wife. Ideally, she'd be willing to help you with te your temptations, but if she doesn't, then you can't blame her for that. Uh, this is not a, if she doesn't help me, then I'm going to use this sort of situation. You're still responsible for your own actions. Question five is simply, how do you feel about works by Cameron Staley and Jennifer Finlayson Fife? I've never heard of either, either of them, so I have no feelings about their work. Now, if somebody wants to send me some of their books, I'm more than willing to read them and let you know what I think. Question number six is, 
what does healthy sexuality look like for unmarried people? What kinds of sexual expression are the unmarried people allowed to do? If sexuality was intended only for marriage, then why does the sexual nature exist completely independent of marriage? Now, I have a feeling I know where this question is coming from, as we've been having this long, protracted, and ultimately circular discussion slash debate slash argument about this topic for months now in the comment section of the blog all over the place. Like, it just jumps from post to post to post. And frankly, I'm not really interested in entertaining it anymore because it's going nowhere. So frankly, I've stopped because it was taking way too much time and wasn't productive. So for the last time, to reiterate my off-stated and very simpler position, you should only have sex with your spouse. Now, this individual, assuming it's who I think it is, generally conflates sexuality slash expression with sexual behavior slash activities, uh, which makes the conversation very confusing. So I will try to be clear here. I think everyone has sexual expression and behaviors. Boys generally act different than girls. Women generally act different from men. Uh, they have different styles of dress, relationships, interactions, desires. Uh, they're aggressive in different ways. They often have different manners of speech, nonverbal communication, focus on life goals, interests in careers, and on and on and on and on. Uh, so men and women are different on average in general. That is sexual expression and behavior. And they can do all those things to their heart's content, regardless of their marital status, because while it's related to sexual activity, it is not sexual activity. Sexual activity should be reserved for, as previously stated, your spouse and only your spouse. So to answer the question, if sexuality was intended only for marriage, why then does the sexual nature exist completely independent of marriage? Because you're human, and that's how the species was created, to allow for the potential of sexual activity within marriage. If it doesn't guarantee that you will exercise that potential in the same way that it doesn't force you to exercise that potential. But should you desire to, then it's there to drive you to become the sort of person that someone else would also want to exercise that potential with. It's like if you buy a vehicle with a tow hitch. You don't have to use it, but you could. If it wasn't there, then you'd have no choices. But because it is there, then you have options. Now, you still have to find something to tow. The hitch doesn't come with a trailer. But if you happen to get a trailer, then you could tow it. And I know it's not a perfect metaphor. I'm saying this to head off the inevitable argument that it's not perfect, which has happened often in our past exchanges. Uh, it's not intended to be. It's merely illustrating a point. And then we get to question seven, which I think is a continuation of the previous question because it came in mere minutes afterwards again. So he continues, what about sex in old age? Is it a sin to have unmarried sex after 50 if you don't have a spouse or never had a spouse? Is a 50-year-old virgin what God intends? So back to the rule I stated. Sexual activity should be reserved for your spouse and only your spouse. Can you have sex in old age? You can have sex with your spouse. It is, is it a sin to have unmarried sex after 50 if you don't have a spouse or never had a spouse? Yes. You can have sex with your spouse. No spouse, no sex. Is a 50-year-old version what God intends? Now, that's a difficult question to answer. For one, we don't know exactly what God intends. Secondly, do you mean his desire for what would happen in a sinless world, or do you mean his permissive desire for what he allows to happen in a sinful world? We don't have any reference point for the first case. We'll see when we get to heaven. Uh, we do have some clues that sex may not exist, so it seems plausible at least, maybe even likely. It happens in our world, so clearly the second case is a yes. So I guess if I had to pick a yes or a no, I'd say that yes, the potential of a 50-year-old virgin seems to be what God intends. 
Because ultimately, this life is about free will. We can choose our behaviors and others can choose theirs. Our ultimate goal is to accept God as Lord of our life and follow his laws because they are loving and just. And others are free not to do the same. Which means you can do all the right things, which never happens, and still not end up with a desired result because the world is broken and sinful. Which doesn't mean the laws change, which is what this commenter has been pushing for all along, that the church should change the laws because they're not working. The laws can't change because they're just more proof that God's way is the right way. And when choosing to follow God or self, we should follow God. Because one day this demonstration, for lack of a better term, is going to end. And those who follow God will finally get to see what he wanted to happen, what look life looks like in a creation when God's perfect will is reality. And those who prefer to try and alter his laws to suit their own idea of what he should have done, well, they already will have experienced the outcome of that and won't get to see what his perfect will looks like because they won't like it anyways. All right, let's move on. Question eight. I'm a retired pastor and a chaplain. Uh, My wife died two years ago. I'm still full of testosterone and have never been that great in disciplining myself or others for that matter. There seems to be little to nothing other than your article about widows that comes close to addressing the issue of widowed men and handling sexual drive that can almost keep you awake at night. Besides, this is the loss of intimacy with anyone. I feel I am becoming narcissistic. Since lust is considered a sin, what do Christian men call normal sex drive when addressing the issue in any way is likewise considered evil or wrong? If you are willing to guide my efforts, I would like to write something on this issue that is downright useful to Christian men who are single again, but definitely not sexless. All right, so you are absolutely right. I tend to focus on the currently married people, so I don't have a lot of resources for people outside of that stage of life. Largely because I have less experience directly or indirectly through talking with others. I've spent a lot of time reading books, blogs, listening to podcasts, talking to people, and testing out things regarding marriage because, well, that's where I'm at, and it's easier for me to do. Um, And then I try to synthesize it into principles for others to help them. So around the edges of that experience, I can offer some help with those principles, what is right and wrong, and the whys of that. But the specifics of the how... I'm a little fuzzy on because I've not been there yet, so I don't have any tips or tricks to share from my own experiences. Um, For example, I can say that biblically the answer is that if you still have a sex drive, you should probably find a spouse. However, I'm also aware that that advice might come off as callous and impractical by many. I believe for myself that I would make a terrible single person. Uh, I love to love my wife, and I would probably be looking for someone else to love like that again. If I were to die first, I would definitely want someone to take care of her as I did, or even better. Uh, I believe she would want the same for me. But that's my, you know, in theory, belief. I have no idea how grief would affect uh, that, as I've never been negatively impacted by the loss of someone before. I mean, I've had people in my life die, but I've yet to have anyone close enough to make a significant impact on my life. And that may be because of my views on death, or it may be simply that no one close enough has died yet. Uh, I'm not sure. And so I highly recommend that you find someone who is at your stage of life, who has the desire to do all the researching, thinking, testing, talking, and failing and has a passion for helping others avoid a lot of the pain that they've been through in trying to figure out what doesn't work. All right, 
Question number nine. Hi, I would like to know your opinion of OMG Yes. I do not have a subscription, but I keep seeing ads for it. I know it basically talks about how women can feel more sexual pleasure. So for many people, it would mean masturbation, but what if the information was used only as a married couple? Second, I hope it's not too weird, but is it very unpleasant for men to continue having intercourse after ejaculating? The reason why I'm asking is that my husband has always suffered with premature ejaculation. We somehow learn to make it work, usually by him continuing after he's done until I orgasm as well. Now he says it's mostly okay for him, but sometimes I'm not sure whether it really is so, or if he just wants me to enjoy sex so he does something that is not really pleasant. Thanks for answering. Okay. OMG Yes comes up from time to time, and the short answer is that I believe it's porn wrapped in a shiny paper to deceive and confuse people. If you want to know how to have your husband please you, then practice with him. Uh, you know, he's going to learn a lot more from watching you masturbate than from watching another woman. Learn to communicate and then try things. You know, don't be afraid to experiment. But watching another woman masturbate to orgasm in the hopes that he'll pick up some new tricks seems to have a high risk to reward ratio. As for continuing intercourse after ejaculation, for some men, they may find it uncomfortable. Uh, they can get too sensitive. Uh, for the vast majority of men, though, they fairly quickly lose their erection soon after orgasm, making sex difficult, if not impossible. As well, there seems to be a set of energy that's sort of in reserve for when you're having sex leading to orgasm. But as soon as the orgasm happens, suddenly you realize just how tired you are. And so, yes, you can push through it for a bit, but you're frankly fighting a losing battle between an erection that's softening and energy reserves that are no longer accessible. So I wouldn't say it's not pleasant so much as it's difficult to continue. I think most men would love to just keep going, but sadly, most of us have a refractory period. I will say, however, most men love to see their wives have pleasure. So even if he is doing it just because he wants you to enjoy sex, that doesn't mean he finds it unpleasant. Uh, I am more than willing to go through some discomfort for my wife to feel good. Uh, I think most men are the same way. All right, question 10. Hey, Jay, I have a question about your exploration list. Every couple of months, my spouse and I go through this exploration list together. It makes for great conversation and learning about what the other likes or dislikes. Which you recommend if we should answer the questions when we are both sexually aroused? Some of the items on the list we would not be into being in a quote-unquote normal state of mind. However, we might be into some of those things when we're turned on. Thanks, and I appreciate what you do. All right, I think it depends uh, on the couple, which I know is, sounds really profound. But uh, specifically, it depends on your self-awareness and your comfort level with uh, what that awareness recognizes. So if you experience responsive desire, for example, and your brakes are super sensitive when you're not turned on, then going through the list aroused and not aroused are going to be radically different experiences and outcomes. And that's not a problem unless you're uncomfortable with who your aroused self is. If you wake up after a night when you've been super turned on and you look at your spouse and say, I can't believe you made me do that, then you should probably not do the list in an aroused state because frankly, you can't handle who you are yet. Uh, but if you recognize that, hey, I'm, I really like this when I'm turned on and that's okay, even if I don't like it when I'm not turned on, then it's not a problem that in different contexts, you're okay with different things. Uh, 
but your spouse also has to be aware that, uh, you know, answering a question like, I like to be tied up when I'm super turned on, is not permission to slap a pair of handcuffs on her when she's making dinner and have your way with her, uh, because it's the wrong context for her. So you have to figure out what kind of people you are. Are you, can you accept that there are differences between you being aroused and not aroused? If so, I would say go through it when you're aroused. In fact, you know what? Go through it in both states because then you can see, you know, maybe what works better as foreplay and what works better when you're actually already aroused because those might be quite different things. Uh, if you can't handle what you're like when you're aroused, uh, when you're not aroused, uh, then then don't do it while you're in an aroused state because later, if you look back on it, you're just going to be embarrassed and upset and never want to do it again. All right. Question 11, halfway through. Hey, JD, how are you? Quick question. How far can you go in role-playing? A while back, my husband and I tried some role-playing. He pretended to be a teacher and I was a student. We were both really enjoying the taboo feeling of it, and it made for some great sex. Next, we both want to try me being double penetrated, one being my husband and the other one being a dildo, kind of like a threesome. Here's the thing. Both of those scenarios are wrong if we did them in real life, but is it wrong to imagine or play out these things within marriage? I could never imagine doing it in real life, but isn't that the whole purpose of role-playing? All right, so first off, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, second this is a question that many people are going to disagree with me on, but personally, I think you've already gone too far. Philippians 4 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So first, you're intentionally focusing on something that is not noble, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy, etc. Um, now, this verse doesn't give a reason, but a recurring principle in the Bible, I feel, is well represented by this quote uh, by Clarence and Diana Schilt. And they said, whatever gets the mind gets us, and whatever gets us is reported in our thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions. And I've heard so many stories from people about how they don't know how they got into the mess that they're in. Uh, they think it started so innocently. It was just sturdy talk, and then it was just role play, and then it was just chatting online with another couple, and then it was just having coffee and talking about our fantasies, and then it was just having sex in the same room, and then it was just swinging. And some will say, well, that's just a slippery slope fallacy. But it's only a fallacy if it doesn't happen, and it sadly does happen all too often. Uh, but even if it doesn't happen, do you want to train your brain to find the idea of threesomes and inappropriate di power dynamics to be arousing? Our brains are incredibly malleable, and I would hate for you to one day be caught in a situation when someone who has authority over you propositions you, and your logical brain kicks the response back down to an immediately turned on part of your brain that's operating on feelings rather than logic, and you do something you later regret when you kind of sober up. And like I've said, there's too many sad stories in my inbox like this. Or maybe that never happens. Maybe you just continue with your marriage needing more and more intense role plays and experiences just to get aroused until one day you stop and think, you know, what kind of person have I become that I have to think about these things to get turned on? And then you just shut down with your sex drive entirely because you can't deal with it. I've gotten quite a few emails like that in my inbox too, where they're desperately trying to figure out how to desire to have sex again because they're scared that those desires will come back with it. And so 
as I've said a few times today already, I think the rule of have sex only with your spouse is a good one. And I think that extends to what happens in our minds as well. All right, question number 12. Hi, Jay. A number of months ago, my husband told me that he likes to put things in his anus and it pleasures him and he can come from just doing this alone. He said it, he wanted to talk to me about it for a long time, but he was worried that I was think he was gay. I feel like this is normal and we have incorporated it into our sex life, but I'm uncomfortable with it for a different reason. My husband was sexually abused for years in his home when he was a child. I feel weird about basically performing a similar act on him now that was super traumatizing to him as a child. It's obviously more complicated than that, but I feel weird about it. Uh, He says it's okay and it doesn't remind him of his past trauma because he trusts me and he knows the time and space we are in now. So it's really just my feelings. I personally feel odd about it. Is there a way I can feel more comfortable with this? Um, I feel like this question is probably better suited for someone who has an expertise in trauma. However, I will say that many people who were sexually abused can still go on to have perfectly healthy sex lives. I think if your husband is willing to open up to you about something this vulnerable because he wants to experience it within a loving relationship in the proper context, then that seems to me like it would be more healing and damaging. But I'm not a licensed therapist, so dealing with past trauma like abuse is kind of outside of my wheelhouse. Question 13. I had a baby this year, which makes my libido basically zero. I still want to be as intimate with my husband, but it doesn't happen very often. My husband almost never initiates. I've asked him about it, and he says he feels like I'll be doing it out of obligation, which I've told him is not true, and I feel undesired, and in turn makes me not want to initiate. My husband's libido is higher than mine for sure, but also not extremely high, because of some hormone imbalances he's working on, fixing currently, and also possibly from a history of porn use. When we're in seasons like this, I can't help but be afraid that he's looking at porn or something. It takes a toll on our marriage and how I feel to and act towards him, which is difficult. This pattern continues to repeat itself over the course of our five-year marriage, which is so difficult. It was getting much better before we had our baby, but it's been a problem again since my libido is virtually none. What can I do to help break the cycle? Uh, I have a few ideas. Firstly, I'd consider scheduling initiation, if not sex. Perhaps he takes the first three days of the week and you take the last three and leave Wednesday as a bonus day. So for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, his goal is to initiate sex at least once. Um, He can try for Sunday, but if something happens, then he still has Monday. And if Monday doesn't happen, then Tuesday is the latest day that he can. Um, And he better do it on Tuesday then. You do the same on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. On Wednesday, it's open. If either of you want sex, then initiate. Secondly, I think we need to get out of this idea that you can only have sex or initiate sex when you want it. Many wives with young kids experience mostly responsive sex drives. My guess is that you enjoy sex when it happens, but you just never think of it unless you're in the middle of it. That doesn't mean you have no sex drive. It just means that you have a responsive sex drive. So try changing your viewpoint from do I want sex to am I willing to be aroused? Then see if you can be. Uh, Figure out what turns you on, then initiate that. Ask for massages or for him to brush your hair or to dance or read a book together or Netflix and chill, as the kids say. Uh, Whatever works for you. Frankly, for some women, it's literally just, how about we just started having sex and I can probably get turned on in a couple of minutes. Uh, And I know that's heresy to say these days, but it's a reality for a lot of couples. And lastly, 
Uh, just start initiating, not because you necessarily want sex, but because you love your husband, especially if you're the responsive desire type. Uh, you can do it as a way to bless him. Plus, you are likely to get in the mood as well. So it's win-win. In short, break the cycle by changing things up. Stop waiting for sex to happen and start making it happen. Uh, a lot of women also start to want sex the more often they have sex. So start having more sex and see if it increases your desire a bit. All right, question 14. I'm 33 years old and have been with my husband, married for three years, for over 15 years now. Our relationship has always been on the emotional side, as sex in my culture is not accepted before marriage. We don't even talk about it. Even after we tried only a couple of times, it's very, very painful for me and not fun at all. I'm not sure if it's just in my mind or if there's something physically wrong with me. I'm usually very bad at explaining any of my physical problems. I feel really bad for my husband, but he is super faithful and never asked for it. I know he deserves so much more. Now we are planning to have kids and there will be tries. I want to make it perfect for both of us and happy experience. I'm illiterate in this scenario. No porn, no masturbation, no toys. I don't even know the movements, honestly. I don't know who I should consult. Okay, so this is fairly common, uh, especially when you come from a culture where sex isn't talked about and it's not accepted and there's a whole bunch of stigma around everything. Um, I have a whole post on pain during sex, which I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, you should check that out. Uh, it explains some of the reasons women have experienced pain and a bunch of potential solutions to explore. Also, don't worry about not really knowing things like the movements or anything. Um, Right now, if everything is painful, then it doesn't feel natural or anything like that. But once you resolve this pain issue, hopefully soon, uh, I think you'll find that the movements can come fairly naturally. Uh, your body will just move the way that feels good. Question 15. My wife doesn't like to be intimate with, with me. She always says next time, but that time never comes. I tried to discuss it with her, but it always ends in a fight. How can this be solved? I sometimes think of getting myself a mistress. I I think if you get yourself a mistress, there's a pretty good chance that she'll never have sex with you again. Uh, in cases like this, it's hard to know the next step without knowing what the fight is like. Uh, you haven't given a lot of details, but you're likely somewhere between a few of the questions that I already answered uh, previously in this podcast. So go back, check them out, and uh, decide which one suits your marriage better, and then try those recommendations. All right, question number 16. Uh, this is another one of the longer ones, which are great because they get out of a lot of context. Uh, this person writes, I'm curious about how many men are turned off by their wives having prolapses. I imagine many women have them, especially if they have kids, so how does this affect their spouse's attraction to them? Some background, I got pro prolapses through my pregnancy and possibly labor with my first child, and my husband feels bad about what my body went through, but admits that the prolapse, slight rectocele and cystocele weird them out. I get that because when I found out, I was weirded out. However, I know a lot of info shows things bothering the wife that her husband just doesn't care about. I wonder if he feels this way due to his porn addiction, although he does, hasn't viewed it for years that I know of, and seeing perfect bodies for so many years. However, he's also never been one to give oral, although he has many times in the past due to his desire to love and serve me, or even want to receive oral until the last year or so when I started doing it to him more and more, and he started enjoying it more. I find it odd because I'm sure the porn he viewed had a lot of that going on, but it was never something he was interested in. Until recently, he enjoys being on the receiving end. Even though he enjoys it now, he has never allowed oral to go on long enough for him to orgasm in my mouth, 
as he feel, finds that super strange. I would like to add that in our almost decade of marriage that I've only asked him for oral once or twice than I can think of. Every other time he's offered it up on his own, with most of the time me refusing due to feeling self-conscious. Since the pregnancy and birth of my first child, which was over three years ago, he's offered maybe once, and I can tell it's not really something he enjoys. So despite liking receiving oil, I tend to say no out of consideration to him. However, I'm thinking that he doesn't even try anymore due to the prolapses. I'm used to hearing on here that things bother the wife, but the husband doesn't care and loves his wife body and doing these things with her despite it. So I'm just curious about how prolapses in particular affect most men in the bedroom. Is this common or is my husband just different in this aspect as he has been with oral? I'm actually a bit surprised that no one has ever brought up the issue of prolapses before. I searched my inbox and nope, no mention of prolapses in any email that I've gotten in like a decade. Uh, we've never experienced these issues with either of our four natural births. Uh, however, we have one supporter on our forum whose wife did experience this, and I thought his answer was a good one. Uh, he wrote, My wife had a prolapse from her last child. It's not something that is an issue for me, except that I need to be careful. And there are certain sexual positions that I just don't work like they used to, or are just not possible. I'm much more concerned about her and how she feels about it, and how she'll feel longer term, both physically and psychologically. If we can engage in honest, open discussion about it, how to minimize the effect on her body for her sake, and she can trust me enough to be honest about her feelings, well, that's kind of a big deal for me. That kind of trust and intimacy is something we're still learning about. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, it seems communication is a big factor here, as it so often is. But in the question, it doesn't look like the two of you talk much about this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of mind-growing going reading on, which is never a good thing, rather than simply going to the source. So... Maybe he is freaked about the pro out about the prolapse more. Maybe he thinks that you're uncomfortable with it. Maybe he just doesn't like oral sex much. Maybe there's something else going on entirely. Um, maybe you're creating some kind of feedback loop that like when he goes to offer you oral, you kind of tense up because you're worried that he doesn't like it and he picks up on that. And then he thinks that you don't like it and it turns into a whole thing because both of you are trying to do mind reading and neither of you are very good at it. Uh, all those things are possible, and you won't know by asking people on the internet. The best way to find out is to ask your husband. Also, I want to point out that if you've had a prolapse, you might want to seek some medical advice. Uh, the wife of another one of our supporters had issues with a prolapse in the past, and it was fixed with surgery. Um, seeing a pelvic floor specialist might be another way to go as well, depending on the type and severity of the prolapse. All right, question 17. When do you have sex when you get married? Right after the wedding? Or is the first thing to talk about it? I need advice. I think that's something you should definitely talk about before the wedding. Some people like to have sex between the ceremony and the reception. It sort of gets it out of the way and they're kind of all pent up. Uh, I think most wait for the wedding night if they waited at all, that is, anymore. Um, quite a few don't manage to have sex on the wedding night, actually. You know, some are too tired, too stressed, too drunk, too sick, whatever. Uh, in all honesty, I think we make a mess of weddings. Uh, you have a full day-long event, ceremony, party, etc. that's very emotional, has a lot of stress, and is generally exhausting. Then, if you've waited as you should, you're expected to have an amazing sex for the first time while exhausted. Then you fall asleep in a bed together, uh, again, hopefully for the first time, which is not easy for everyone, so that you start your honeymoon off feeling exhausted and possibly disappointed in this sex thing that you've been waiting for so long. Uh, I, I don't know who thought this was a good idea. 
So I, I think we set people up for failure. I'm not sure I have a solution off the top of my head, but I think that at least talking about it beforehand and sharing your expectations and discussing contingency plans is a good idea. Uh, start, so start your marriage off right with communication and talking about things and being open and honest with each other. All right, question 18. My wife and I are planning a romantic getaway in a few months, and we both hope that there is plenty of sex to be had. But as we are both approaching the half century in age, um, there is a concern that our bodies won't keep up with our desires. Related to that, I have a few questions that may not have the answers we're hoping for in the real world, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Question number one. When I was young, I could easily have sex every day, but now it starts to get challenging to get the engine started on the third day and even harder on the fourth. We don't even try on the third day anymore, and to be honest, with teenagers in the house and everything that goes on along with that, we would rarely both be in the mood three days in a row. But with a five-night resort stay booked, five times in five days would, I hope, be the minimum. Any tips for building up stamina? Number two is similarly but less age-related, as this has always been the case, my wife finds it much harder to orgasm without a day or two off. In fact, it's somewhat proportional. The longer the break, the easier it is for her to get there, and she can have more of them, and they are more powerful. Because of the effort involved, she is content to not orgasm every time we have sex. But of course, I enjoy sex that much more when she does. Naturally, this would be unrealistic of me to think that she would orgasm every single time that we have sex during the getaway. But thought I would ask you if you know any tips on reducing the amount of time for her body to be ready for orgasmic sex. And number three, we tried to time this trip up with her cycle so that she won't be on her period. She's been pre-menopausal for a couple of years now and recently has been really regular. Until now, that is. She's a couple of weeks late. That might be a good thing if they stop altogether, but we're probably not at that point. Probably just at the point where it gets irregular. If she ends up on her period during this trip, it wouldn't be a disaster. We like to do more than just have sex, and it wouldn't stop all sexual activity. But it would definitely put a damper on things. We're not at a point in our lives where we have the time and money to do this type of trip every year, so it's not like we'll just have extra sex next time. The next romantic getaway might be three to five years away. All that to say, know of any ways to prevent a period from starting at an inopportune time. This might be the most unrealistic question of the three. Thank you. All right, so there are three approaches to building up stamina. Number one is basically build up stamina. This is act, That is actually to have more sex so that your body is used to this. This may or may not work based on your general health and on a bunch of other variables that are too complicated to predict success. Number two is change the expectation. Many couples, as they get older, stop trying to have orgasms every time that they have sex. For the men in particular, no orgasm means no ejaculation, which means no refractory period, which means that you can get an erection again easier. If your wife struggles to orgasm multiple days in a row, then this might work for her as well. Uh, number three is you can try taking supplements. I mean, the obvious ones are Viagra and Cialis, uh, but there are also a lot of natural supplements. Uh, Moringa seeds, maca, L-arginine, uh, red ginseng tend to top most of the lists, particularly for men, for women, ashwagandha tends to be the most recommended. There's also essential oils you can take, uh, but I know less about those. Uh, maybe one of our followers who is into essential oils can make some recommendations in the comment section. And lastly, a way to circumvent periods. That's a trickier one for sure. Uh, honestly, 
I know more ways to get one to start at the wrong time than to extend it. Uh, one trick I've heard, which I've never tried, is to take red raspberry leaf tea. Uh, it's supposed to shorten a period that's already started. That doesn't exactly push it off or stop it from happening, but it might shorten it, uh, which may help you. Again, never tried it. I've just heard that it works. And I'm not a doctor, so all that should not be construed as medical advice. All right, question 19, second last one. Is it wrong that my wife wants to relive how at 15 she had sex with men that were 15 years older than she was, but she lied because she loved sex with older men? Her teen stories turn me right on. I think this is along the same lines as the how far can you go with role play question. Uh, you're getting aroused by a 15-year-old being legally raped as she's below the age of consent in the U.S. and Canada and many other countries. Uh, I think activities like that should be looked at with lament, not arousal. Uh, we should reflect on our sinful choices in the past as I wish I had known better rather than I wish I could do this again or why don't I get you turned on with this thought. So again, I think that Philippians 4 verse 8 verse, uh, applies here. And lastly, question number 20. Wondering your thoughts, is looking at topless or nude photos basically the same thing as watching porn? I've gone through my husband's phone and see that he goes to these sites. I have in the past confronted him about it, but he denies it. He's a man of faith, and I feel that he knows it's wrong. I've told him how I feel about it, but how do I approach him about it? I get angry when I find out, but I keep it inside and wonder why he does it when we have a very healthy and active sex life. What should I do? I wanted him to figure it out on its own, maybe with a God nudge that what he is doing is wrong, but I think as time goes by, things will just get worse. All right, so it depends on what you mean by basically the same as porn. Porn certainly has more of an impact on the brain, so in that way, porn is more devastating from a psychological slash physiological impact on your husband. However, both show a pre-existing problem with the heart, I'd say, that he's focusing on other women. In that way, it's as adulterous as porn or an affair. As for how to handle it, I'd say honestly. Uh, I know it makes you angry, but going to someone while exhibiting angry behaviors generally doesn't end up with a productive outcome. Instead, maybe write him a letter if you can't have a civil conversation. You know, tell him that you're hurt by his choices and that it makes you angry. Tell him that you're afraid uh, of what it means is going on in his heart. Uh, tell him that it makes you feel insecure, both in your body and about uh, your relationship. Tell him that you like your current active sex life and that you're worried that his continued looking at other women will damage the relationship and you're worried that you're, you'll see your interest in sex with him waning and how it may lead to a lack of interest in being with him at all. Uh, tell him that you understand that it may be a strong draw to look at other women uh, and that you'd like to help him. A message like that shows compassion, but also vulnerability while still laying out the, this is where this behavior leads to destruction, as with all sin. And it's not an ultimatum, it's showing him the natural consequences of his actions. And that's it for September's questions. If you have a question of your own, check out our anonymous have a question page. There's a link in the show notes. As always, thank you to our amazing supporters for assisting us in discussing the questions as they come in and for just generally being so supportive. Uh, if you'd like to see the questions as they come in instead of waiting for the monthly post or just over a monthly post, uh, check out our supporters page. Uh, 
And don't forget that our new supporters who give over $5 a month get our Intimacy Advent Calendar for free. Um, So yeah, check out our supporters page if you're interested. Lastly, if you're listening to the podcast, we'd really appreciate a review as they help other couples find the help that they need in their marriage. Uh, The link to do that easily is in the show notes as well. So check them out.